Well, good morning. It's good to see uh, all of you here. You having a good uh, Labor Day weekend so far? Yeah, good, good. Yeah, this side seems to be doing better, but uh, I hope, yeah, okay, there we go, yeah. Okay, great. Uh, and uh, great to have all of you uh, online that are uh, joining us here this morning. So we finished a series uh, last week. We're going to start a new series next week, uh, which means we have this standalone this Sunday, and we use these um, to, uh, to discuss or to, to hit something that maybe doesn't fit squarely in another series, but something that we think would be good or valuable. And uh, so for this morning, the thing uh, that uh, we really wanted to discuss, and I'm kind of excited to cover, is this. It's to answer this question. Why do we sing? Right? So like we sang here like a little while ago, why, why do we sing? Because when you think about it, uh, just uh, how we sing, what we sing, what we, you know, just kind of the whole feel of it, that if you were to take it out of this context into another context, it might seem like a little weird. Like if you, like Tuesday morning, if you went out to the uh, job site, wherever you're working or your classroom and said, can we all stand and sing this song together? And like... Other people in your class or at the work site might go, that's kind of awkward. Like, we don't, we don't sing before we start framing this house. I don't know why you're doing that, right? It, um, I remember when I was uh, real young, I spent the night at a friend's house. Uh, it was a Saturday night, so I went to church with him the next morning. Um, I don't remember exactly what denomination it was. It may have been like Episcopal or something. It was so different than anything that I was used to. And um, I had spent most of my childhood uh, like growing up in this church uh, right here. And I remember the music seemed weird and strange to me and I didn't understand it. Um, but they had these cool flippy things on the back of the pews that I later understood were like kneeling benches. And I remember like trying to figure out like why it seems like the cushion's on the wrong side and what happens. And then I accidentally flipped it down and you know, it goes, Kung, and everyone in the whole row looked at me like that. And, was like, and, and I just had all of these questions and trying to figure this whole thing out. I remember one of my favorite parts was they uh, burned incense at this church. We never burned incense at this church and they had it like in this little container thing or whatever. And I just thought smoke and fire in church. This is really cool, right? Um, so on, uh, on the way home, like I'm asking my friend all of these questions. Why do you do this? Why, 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 why? And of course he's like, well, I am mom. Like, and so I would ask him a question. Then he had asked his mom a question and he was kind of bored with it because he was used to it. Like it's what he was used to. And I'm sure that if he had gone to church with me, right? There'd be these things that he would have all these questions about that might seem strange or different to him, um, uh, but not to me. And that my familiarity with it, uh, it just, it like, okay, yeah, that's just kind of what we do. And, and I realized as I was asking him those questions, because he was so familiar with it, it, it was like, uh, it, like he kind of forgot like what the meaning was behind some of it. And, and, and I say this because there's this simple truth uh, that, that can happen, especially on this issue of like, why do we sing? And it's this, um, you can become so familiar with something that you forget the meaning behind it. And, and even if you took a moment you go, oh yeah, this is why we do this. It's like you can become so familiar that you can just go through something um, 
and, and not really grasp the deeper meaning or, or maybe the thing that is special about it. And I would imagine this morning, uh, there are some of you that uh, grew up in something similar to what we're doing, that what we experience every Sunday, and you're really familiar with it. Uh, for some of you, this is all new. Maybe you're, you know, from a different background or, the, you know, church in, in particular is, is brand new. And it's like, you know, what is this about? Why we do this and this sort of thing. And for some of you, um, the meaning's not lost on you. But wherever you are in that, I hope that this morning is a time that is we just think about why do we sing, that it actually brings a richer, deeper experience to what you get to experience here every single Sunday, that, that as you sing here, um, as you worship here, that it will just draw us all together, that we will experience our time together on Sundays in a deeper, richer way. That's, that's what I'm after this morning. And uh, to kind of answer this question, I want to answer it in three parts, three parts. I want to talk about uh, why we sing upward, why we sing outward, and why we sing repetitively. So three things, because we sing upward, we sing outward and we sing repetitively. So let me start with why we sing upward. And of course, what I mean by we sing upward is this idea, we sing upward as an act of worship to God. When we're singing, um, it's not just singing any old song or any old way, that there's a part of it, right, that is about worshiping, worshiping God. We sing upward in this. Um, I'm going to go through several verses uh, here this uh, morning, and I'm going to go through some of them kind of fast. And so uh, feel free to turn in your own Bible or your own smartphone, or we'll put uh, the, the, uh, the verses up on the screen. This is found in Ephesians chapter 5. Uh, it's the second half of verse 19. It says this, uh, Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. And this is this idea, like there's this worship com component through singing. Sing, sing to God, make music from your heart to the Lord. And so this idea that I want you to not miss here, that is all throughout the New Testament when it comes to this idea of worshiping God, is from the heart. And, and in, uh, in Greek, the language the Bible is first written in, the idea of, of heart is trying to, to, to ascribe that place in our being that is in touch with our deepest values, the things that are most meaningful uh, to us. We often think of heart more in, a, in like an emotional kind of, of center. And it might have some of that, but think of this in terms of what, is, what do you value most? And so what, he's, what Paul is getting at, who wrote uh, this letter, he's saying, I want you to find that thing that you worship God out of something that is touched, something profoundly meaningful or of great value to you. And the point of this is that we don't sing upward. We don't worship God uh, out of a sense of obligation. Now, does that mean that, uh, am I saying, you know, like God, you know, that's not about what God deserves? Well, no, God deserves our worship without a doubt. Like, but that's not what Paul is saying he's after here. He's after something that, that is in tune with 
us. Uh, my son and my wife started watching this uh, TV series, then they pulled me into it, and then I started watching it, and it's called, uh, it's like Last Kingdom or Last Night. It, it, it's, about the, it's about how England became England before England was England, right? And you got all these people running around and they're fighting and there's all these kings of the different areas, and there's all of these scenes where there's some king and he's got someone in front of him and he's like, okay, you need to bow before me. You, you need, you, I need an oath of your allegiance to me. Um, but when he's asking for this, it's, it's never from this standpoint of like, because I'm king, I deserve the, you know, or, or he is doing this. You know, I deserve this and I need to see your loyalty. Bow before me, right? And you see these people and they bow before the king, right? They give him this respect, but not because they're like, you know, you're just such a wonderful king. I just... It's pure joy just to bow before you right now, King. It's, it's more out of like, there's just a bunch of guys with pointy sticks around here and they might hurt me if I don't do this, right? That's, that's more of where this is coming from. It, it's like, I need you to say you love me or I'll gouge your eyes out. And it's like, I love you, <laughs> right? Like God isn't trying. Uh, Paul's not talking about we sing worship to God because we fear him or because um, there's threat of harm. Rather, there's, there's something that, is, that has happened in us that causes us to want to because it comes from our heart. That's what he's getting at here. And, and that's what he wants us to cultivate in all of this. Um, think about this. Think, think even this past week or this past month, what are some things that have happened in your life that you, you see God's connection to in some way that just pulled you in with a sense of deep gratitude or gratefulness? What was that? Maybe, maybe in your family or in a, a close friend, there, like there was the birth of a child. And you just, like, it just caused your heart to swell in a beautiful uh, way. Or maybe, uh, maybe you got to spend, you know, an evening or an afternoon with some really good friends. And you just came away from that and you just like, God, thank you. I just feel so blessed to have some of these people in my life. Or maybe it was celebrating an achievement. Maybe it was an achievement with school or something at work or something you wanted to do. But out of that sense of achievement, it wasn't just... You know, it was all me. It, like, you came away from me, you just said, you know, God, you're the one that gifted me in this. Or God, you're, you're the one that encouraged me the, in this. Or you brought people around me that lifted me up. That this wouldn't have happened if you weren't active in my life. And you feel this sense of, God's been good to me in some ways. It doesn't mean that there hasn't been hard things or difficult things. It's just... What are those moments in your life that you just, you're like, thank you, God. I'm just, I'm grateful that you did that. See, that's, that's shaping this sense of want to in us. And what Paul is getting at here is singing to God, worshiping God, because there's something in your heart and your head that connects, that creates a song that you sing to God in this. And here's the application on this. There are some things that we can do that help that, that prepare that, 
that prepare us for a Sunday morning when we come and we sing upward uh, to God uh, in this. Uh, another passage uh, that Paul also wrote in uh, Colossians uh, chapter 3, verse 16, he says this, singing to God with gratitude in your heart. So there it is, that idea of heart. Like, like we, we sing out of our heart, but with gratitude. You're finding gratitude in your heart. So when we think about the application of this, what if we all did a little work throughout the week of just becoming more mindful of those things that we're grateful for? And that, in, and that as we thought about those things that God has done in our lives that we're grateful for, that we actually show up on a Sunday morning and as we begin to sing together, it's just like some of those thoughts are in the back of our mind, right? They're, they're, just, they're, a, they're just present enough that, that what we sing isn't just singing words that we see on a screen. It's coming from, I, I want to sing this because I'm, I'm holding this thing from earlier in the week, earlier in the month. Um, growing up, my family uh, went camping every single uh, summer, something that uh, our family did. And my sister loved pine cones. I mean, we all love pine cones in the family, but my sister really loved pine cones. In fact, she'd be walking around with handfuls of pine cones, and then she'd see another pine cone. She'd have to decide, you know, is that, do I like that pine cone better than one of these pine cones because I can't hold like this? And she just loved pine cones. She always had pine cones uh, in her hands. So one summer, uh, my parents got her like just this little white canvas bag to collect her pine cones in. And you would have thought that she won like a trip to Disneyland or something because she went around and she'd find pine cones. She'd put pine cones until she filled up this bag. And, my, and she was just a little girl. And she'd walk around everywhere on her camping trips. Always had this little canvas bag filled with, with her favorite pine cones. And I'll never forget, she would like, when it would be time to like finally go to bed, you know, and we're climbing in the tent or whatever, and we're getting in our sleeping bags, she would take uh, her bag of pine cones with her to bed. Like she like, just like in the night with her wonderful, and you just think, you, you know, sleeping with pine cones, just kind of uncomfortable overall, right? But my sister wanted them with her. Um, and, and I think about that. What if we collected moments of gratefulness in the same way? And just think, oh man, that's like, this is one of my favorite moments where like there's something I can connect to. And maybe it's a small moment. Maybe it's a, a big moment. Maybe it's just special to you. Maybe it'd be special to anybody. But you recognize it. And, and you, we collect those. And when you come into this place, you come with this heart of like gratitude. And here's a really, really practical way you can do this. In fact, um, uh, the preaching team, when we met this past Tuesday, we were working on this message. Right after that, I just thought, I I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to practice this. And so I just opened up a, like a, a notes app in my phone and just like called it gratitude moments. And just, and throughout the week, just any time I was just like, man, I'm really grateful for that. Even if it's just like one quick line or a couple of words, I would write it in there. And and at first, like, it came kind of slow, but then as I got more in the habit, it just, like, I just, like, filled it up. And it was just realizing all of these little moments here and there. And I felt a difference, even this morning, right? Sitting back there, 
uh, listening to you all worship and worshiping myself in moments like just, and, and when we take that into these moments, suddenly we're worshiping more and more from our heart. Not obligation, not, not just because it's a good thing to do, but we want to. So maybe this week, practice it. Maybe on a post-it note, maybe on your phone, maybe you've got a blank book, maybe you've got a journal. Just collect moments of gratefulness this week, and then next Sunday when you come in, just like my sister holding that little bag of pine cones, come into this time holding all of these different moments and watch how that affects how you feel, how you express yourself in worship. Because as a church, one of the reasons we sing is because we want to sing upward. We want to, we want to bless God from our hearts uh, in this. Okay, second thing, second thing in all of this, and that is we sing outward. We sing outward. And of course, this is talking about this idea that we sing with one another, right? And you might say, well, that's great, but can't we worship like by ourselves? You bet you can. That's a great thing. I would encourage that. Worship God all you want. Sing. Do whatever on your own. But don't neglect having time to sing with one another. If you're online, you can sing wherever you are right now with us in moments because there's something really good that happens when for us, for one another, when we worship or sing uh, together. Uh, back to Colossians uh, chapter three, um, uh, verse 16 starts out this way. I read the second half of it before. It says this, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. Now pause there for a second because he, he uses these two words here uh, to richly uh, teach and admonish, right? And teach is this idea there's something to learn, right? Some, something we come to understand. And admonish, uh, sometimes we only think of admonish like in, in a negative way, like rebuke or something. But uh, in the Greek, this word admonish can, based on the context that it is in, is it's always about lifting up someone. And it can be out of a very positive sense or a more negative sense, like lifting someone up, like if, if something bad has happened or they need to be corrected in some way. Or it can be encouraging them because they're in a difficult situation. Um, and probably the context here is this idea of like, like learn, well, there's something that we learn, but there's always something that lifts us up, that encourages us if we're in a moment that is difficult or, or hard in this. So think about that as I read the rest of this verse. So go back to the beginning. It says, let the message of Christ dwell among, right? There's this message about Christ that should dwell among us or among you richly as you teach or learn, as you admonish where we're encouraged one another with all wisdom through, now catch this, here's how we learn and are encouraged, right? It says, through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in our hearts or in your hearts, right? So, um, and, and I'm not saying that we don't still need sermons, just so we're real clear about that. Um, he says, there's this thing about learning and being lifted up that occurs through singing, through Psalms that would have been sung, 
through hymns or a different kind of song that would be sung and, and, and songs, which they would have seen all three of these is different. But there's all of this singing involved that has a way of teaching us something and encouraging us in some way. See, we sing because there's something that we offer one another that we all need in this. And, and here's the point. We bless one another when we sing and worship together. So worship on your own all you want, but we sing together because there's something in the togetherness that is good for us. And, and part of what's happening, and this gets back to how God wired us as human beings, how he wired our brains, uh, how he made our bodies in this. Um, and I'm going to simply call this the attuning effect. He made us as social creatures, and there's this kind of attuning that occurs when we sing together. We don't, when we sing together, we don't sing in like individual voids everywhere. We take in what's happening around us and this attuning effect can have a very positive effect on, on us as human beings or it can have a very negative effect, but it is a very, very powerful thing what happens. Uh, an example of this uh, in the negative, um, uh, you know, there was, a, there was a documentary that I just saw this past week on Woodstock 1999. Anyone see this uh, documentary? Okay, a few of you, so you'll know where I'm going on this. So uh, way back in uh, 1969, there was a thing called Woodstock. Uh, and I say this because in talking with a couple of the staff, they were like, Woodstock, Woodstock. Yeah, that was a long, like, it's not cabinet making. It's them like, no, man, this is doing right. Okay, so if you don't know, massive festival, right? And it was all about peace and love and tranquility. And like, and it's just, you know, it, it was a thing. It became a thing, right? Um, so in 1999, and this was soon after Columbine, and there was some more stuff going on. Some of the original people that helped make the first Woodstock happen said, you know, the young people today, they need like another Woodstock. They need some peace and tranquility, and we'll do a music. So they do this music festival, right? Only this music festival in 1999 did not go quite the same way. Um, it started off uh, and uh, with really what every, uh, in, it's like 400,000 people showed up uh, for Woodstock 1999. Uh, water bottles started off selling at $4 a piece, which nowadays we're like, eh, but back then, that was, that was uh, that's still kind of a lot now, but that was really a lot back then. Uh, it got extra hot. It, the temperatures soared. Uh, none of these young people brought enough water, and now they're feeling price gouging. Uh, they didn't provide enough infrastructure with like the porter potties and the showers. And um, uh, so as they started getting overloaded and breaking down, uh, water started flowing through the camp area and all the kids started playing in this, not realizing uh, it, it was runoff from like the sewage and stuff. So dysentery started kicking in. They're getting dehydrated because they're not drinking enough water. They're feeling uh, the price for the water bottles kept going up every day as they realized as it got hotter and hotter, people were willing to spend more until by the final day they were uh, selling water bottles for $17 a water bottle. People were not happy, okay? They get to the final night, uh, the final few songs, and they had this big plan, this peace and tranquility moment where they were going to have a candlelight vigil, kind of uh, trying to point people away from violence, 
uh, because of what had happened with Columbine. So they handed out over 100,000 candles to 400,000 very upset, slightly sick, very dehydrated people, okay, who, who might have been under the influence of a few things too. <laughs> and, um, and you give them candles, like fire, and it's late at night. And the promoters realize fires are starting to break, uh, break out all throughout this thing, and they start to get worried. Um, the uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers were up, I think, as the last act. And I, I, I wrote this down. They asked them. One of the promoters came out and asked uh, one of the singers or players for Red Hot Chili Peppers, said this. Um, you need to help us. We need to quell this crowd in order to get these fires down. And nod their head, go out. The Red Hot Chili Peppers immediately went out and played a uh, tribute song to uh, Jimi Hendrix, Fire. <laughs> yeah, boy, that helped things. Guess what happened? The crowd burned the place to the ground. That's exactly, I mean, it was just, you know, uh, it was mayhem. Like they have footage of this. It was like, it was not like Woodstock 1969 it was just like, Oh, yeah, man. Oh, yeah. No, it was like, yeah, let's rip everything apart. And if it burns, throw it in a fire, right? And they just burned everything down. And what they couldn't burn, they ripped down and like turned upside down, right? It was like a disaster. And part of what happened that was so different than the other Woodstock, whatever you think about the first Woodstock, right? This Woodstock, um, they all stopped caring about one another. It just became mayhem and a mob mentality. They just like burned the place down. And part of it was, right, it was this attuning effect, right? They're all singing the song fire, right? While they're in a terrible mood, feeling gouged and feeling awful. And, and the whole crowd, like 400,000 people, just like all, all go one bad direction, okay? Now, um, the opposite can happen, though, with this attuning effect, right? When you sing together and this attuning takes place, just the way God wired our brains, we attune with one another. Um, Oxford did a really interesting uh, research project, and, and we have known for a long time music is really powerful with the human brain and even within cultures and people and society. But they wanted to do a study and look at the difference between just listening to music together and singing together. Does actually singing together do something more, or is it the same if we just all listen to the same song uh, together, the same music? And what they found is in some areas, there were some significant differences when you sing together. One of them was this that surprised them, surprised me. Um, your pain threshold uh, actually goes up. In other words, your ability to withstand pain goes up significantly if you spend time singing together with other people in a positive way. Like, so, you know, just a little extra uh, tidbit, you know, takeaway for the morning. Um, if you need to plan some physical therapy or surgery, 
make it early Monday morning, right after you've been in here and singing. And like, you'll, it's like it'll go, you'll experience less pain after your surgery or physical therapy, right? Um, and they found a couple of reasons why this did this, uh, why this was happening. One, um, when we sing together, it has the effect of releasing uh, endorphins into our body, which is a natural, uh, like, painkiller. Um, it creates a kind of social bonding, just having those endorphins released in our bodies, right? And I want you to think about this. God created us, wired us, so that when we would sing together, when we worship together, there's actually something physical happening in your body that is good, that actually helps us bond together, that helps us deal with painful or difficult things in life. Uh, the other thing that they found was uh, there's um, extra dopamine release into our uh, brains in which uh, dopamine hits like the pleasure centers of our, uh, of our brains. Um, it creates higher motivation. Like there's these things happening in our bodies, in our, in our brains, in all of this. The other thing uh, that actually pulls that gratitude piece together as well is there is a part of your brain um, and it's uh, right behind the prefrontal uh, cortex on the right side of your brain. If you can picture that, so you know your brain's like this, it's like right back there, right behind your right eyeball. Um, that, uh, and here's the technical term for this. The, the neurological term for it is the joy bucket, okay? <laughs> it's probably not the actual term, but uh, one neurologist described it this way, the joy bucket back there. Here's what's really interesting about that, is that is the place you collect those thoughts of gratitude, okay? And when that begins to happen, um, it, the other interesting thing is it is also that part of your brain that is the relational part of your brain, that creates relational connection. When we go through the practice of being grateful, it also turns on the relational part of our brain. It helps us to relate better. It is, we don't experience joy, just be like if you say to someone, go be more joyful. Okay, I'll go be more joyful. That's like, you can't just turn joy on. But if you experience a sense of closeness in a way that turns that part of your brain on, like you're turning on a relational part of your brain. If you practice gratitude, like you're storing that and turning on that part of your brain. When we sing together, we're taking what we're grateful for and, and it in a way actually helps us to relate to one another better. In relating, think about this. When we practice gratefulness, we come into this place and now our ability to sing and worship in a relational connection with God goes up and to one another. And as we attune with that, right, that pulls us together as a community. So think about this, right? A group this large on any given week. There's, all, there's people in this room that have had a really hard week, right? Some of you walked in here and you're trying to navigate a really painful divorce and you just, you're carrying a kind of heaviness and a kind of pain and you don't know what's next. And to be here and to sing together in a way, 
that lifts you, encourages you, raises your pain threshold emotionally, physically, right? Connects you to God and want to think of how good that is. Some of you have had physical things that you're going through. And to come and be in this place and to work, like, like God designed a way of helping to care for each and every one of us by coming together to worship God. When we worship God together, God says, you know what would really excite me? Is that when you're worshiping me, that you would also be taking care of one another in some beautiful ways. So we sing together because as we worship God, we also are being a gift to one another. We're helping, our, uh, we're helping one another and being able to relate better to one another and to God, but also in a way that's caring for one another. And some of us, you had a really good week and you came in here and you came through the door with energy and your, your gratefulness bucket, you know, behind your eye, you know, it's like swelling because there's so many good things. But you carry that, like in, in, in how you sing, how you interact, and you bring that goodness into this place. And we all get to attune to that, see? And God, God created us to be in community. So we sing, we sing outward for one another. So I want you to do this really quick, just as a, as a moment of application. Turn to the person next to you and just say, you are a gift, right? Just say that to the person. You are a gift. Yeah, because every one of you, as you came in here, you were a gift. You're a gift to one another. Okay, last one. Last one is this. We sing repetitively. We sing repetitively. Um, and you see this all throughout Scripture. You see this uh, like with the Psalms and the Proverbs uh, in this, uh, with uh, different hymns that you see in Scripture. And sometimes it's repeating the exact same words. Other times it's repeating the same concept. They could be put in there in a more concise way, but there's something repetitive. Let me give you one example of this. This is found in Psalms, uh, Psalm 92, and it starts off this way. It says, It is good to praise the Lord, and make music to your name, O Most High. Right? Like, it's kind of saying the same thing, just in two lines. Next verse. Proclaiming your love in the morning and your faithfulness at night. Right? Do you feel the repetitiveness to this? To the music of the, of the ten-string lyre and the melody of the harp. For you make me glad by your deeds, Lord. I sing for joy at what your hands have done. How great are your works, Lord. How profound your thoughts, right? So he goes through, the psalmist goes through this thing. And we could have condensed the content. We could have gotten all the content in maybe like three, three and a half lines. But the psalmist like repeats these concepts in different ways because there's something that, that is good for us in the repetitiveness of it. Um, and, and here's why. There's because God understands how he created us. There's this truth about you and I, and it's this. Your brain is like Velcro with negative experiences and Teflon when it comes to positive experiences, okay? And I bet you didn't see that coming, right? But um, this is how our brain works. When there is a negative experience that we face or go through, man, it just sticks. You will carry it through your day. You'll carry it into the week. Like it's, it is much harder to get past a one negative experience 
uh, versus a positive experience. You can have a positive experience and then all of a sudden it's like it gets lost and you're like back to zero. The other thing that we know is that it's not like if you have one negative experience uh, that if you just have one positive experience, it balances it all out. Like if you, if you have a bad encounter, like let's say there's tension at work and there's something that's just a really negative experience at, at work. But then you turn around and you run into another employee like an hour later and have like an equally positive experience. At first glance, we'd say, well, those kind of balance it out and your day will just kind of go on neutral. No. Uh, what we know uh, from a lot of research is it's probably going to take closer to like five of those positive experiences to actually neutralize that one negative experience. So here's what happens. What you see throughout scripture are these moments where it's God says, okay, I want you to say this again. I want you to read this again. I want you to sing this again. It's like God saying, okay, you're going to go through some negative things and there are things that are hard about life. But when you think about me, when you think about my love, when you think about my power, when you think about my grace, when you think about re the relationships, the things that I've brought into your life, I want you to rehearse those. I want you to feel those over and over and over again because there's a part of our brain with negative experiences like, like you know, uh, we're like Velcro. It just sticks. And the positive ones kind of want to roll off like Teflon. So we need more of those. So when we sing, uh, we have this example out of scripture of this repetitiveness because it starts building something in our mind that creates this kind of staying power that becomes important so that when we leave here, right, uh, it's not like we just had one quick moment where we sang something really special about God or his grace or how he thinks about us. It's it's like getting something in our head. Ever have a tune that gets like locked in your head and you find yourself like humming that tune later? Wouldn't it be nice to start this next week off with all that God is doing through this in a way that just like has it rhythmically rolling through your heart and mind as you go into that next week, taking your sense of belonging from this place, taking your sense of God's goodness and gratefulness and being able to have that roll with you into that next week, see? So here's, here's the last bit of, of application for this morning, is I want us to actually sing, okay? In fact, the worship team's gonna come out here, and, and as you think about this, we're gonna sing one more worship song, and as we do this, take a moment or two, think about something that you were really grateful for just this last week. What was a really good moment? You just say, Man, God, thank you so much for that. Like, let that resonate in your heart. Um, as you begin to sing or as you listen to the singing and the worship, I want you to not just listen for the voices on platform. I want you to listen for the voices in this whole room because I want you to attune. I want you to feel these voices singing this song. Think about all that they're singing and all that they bring into this. And, and notice what that does for you. And if you're online right now, I want to encourage you to, to do this as well, like wherever you are. Now, if you're in a very public place and you've got, you know, your earbuds in or whatever, and it would be really weird for you, like, okay, maybe not. But if not, uh, sing with us. In fact, our tech people actually have mics set up in the room so that those that are online can hear your voices. 
so that if you're online right now, you actually get to be a part of hearing and experiencing not just what's on platform, but what is in this room going on. Let's, let's, let's sing upward and outward and repetitively right now. It is so good to get to sing to God with you all. Like you all really are a blessing and a gift and a gift to one another. Um, if you are new around here, can I just say welcome? If you're visiting, if you're here for the first time, it is such a joy for you to be here with us. Um, and if we've never had a chance to meet or shake hands, I'm going to be hanging out uh, right over here. And I just, I'd love to meet you. I'd love to shake your hand and welcome you here uh, personally, whether it's your first time or whether you've been here uh, for a while. Um, so uh, can I just end this morning with a blessing that... May God bless you with things that just uh, make you feel so grateful for his goodness and his beauty in your life. May his face shine upon you. Amen. Have a great week and we'll see you next Sunday.